Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Two o'clock hour is underway. My name is Jake Query. Jimmy Cook, the other voice you hear on this program, Eddie Garrison is flying the controls for us this afternoon. It's Quarian Company here on 93.5-1075. The fan joining us now on the program. She just completed a 16, I believe 16 and a half year run at ESPN. And of course, as I had mentioned, a graduate of Carmel High School in Indiana University, who I think actually has me mistaken for somebody who she knew well at IU uh, and liked, which is cool with me. But Sage Steele joins <laughs> us on the show. Uh, Sage, first off, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Congratulations, Jake Query and company. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I here's the thing. Um, doing middays after working morning radio is, I mean, Sage, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, morning radio is tough, right? I mean, I, I, like I got, yeah. I, I enjoyed doing it. I love doing it. But getting up early is, is something, man. You know what I mean? You know what? When I first started at ESPN in 2007, I crashed and burned on SportsCenter. They they demoted me a lot. I mean, and I, listen, I struggled. <laughs> it's a long story for the book someday. However, the first consistent gig I got after that was on Mike and Mike doing SportsCenter updates live at 6 a.m. Um, and, you know, live is live at that time of day. It's tough. And then there's TV live where you have to have a face on and cute clothes and pretend like, like your brain is actually working with a smile. Mike and Mike told me, Golik and Greeny told me at that time, they've been doing it for, you know, however long, decades. And they're like, you never get used to it, no matter what. And I never did. And thank goodness I wasn't on it for too long because it's just not even healthy. It's not. So congratulations. Yeah, it's tough for sure. Uh, I enjoyed it. But to your point, um, you do think about those things, especially when, at least in my case, you start to get old. Um, Sage, let's go back to that. You know, in terms of your, your journey at ESPN, and the various capacities that you had, you obviously ascended to the point of becoming, um, if not the, one of certainly the faces of the organization, and then obviously now no longer with ESPN, has kind of the realities of what took place settled in for you? And for those that are unfamiliar with it, why is Sage Steele no longer at ESPN? Okay, those are two deep questions, Query. Um, have I have I gotten used to it? No. I've been working since I was 15. I've been at ESPN since I was 34 years old. Um, I, I mean, it is what it is. Age is just a number, and I'm really young and cool and immature mentally. <laughs> I'm 50 now, so my goodness, that's a good portion of my adulthood, and certainly when I got there, my kids were 11 months old, 2 and 4. They're now 17, 19, and 21, two in college, one a year away from college. So it's been, it's all, it's all I've known. It's all they've known. Even when you know something is coming and it's pretty imminent, um, when it actually happens, it's like, no. So it's strange. I don't really know what to do with myself because I've had to be so structured for so many years. And I do love the structure. And as a military kid, a military upbringing, I, I thrive on that structure and that high pressure, to be honest with you. Um, and I kind of had, I mean, my lawsuit went for a year and a half almost. Um, so I kind of had a long time to mourn, so to speak, mourn the ending, even though I didn't know when it was going to happen. Once you file a lawsuit against your employer, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's going to end 
prematurely, you know? So I knew it was coming. No matter what, I will tell you this, I'm heartbroken at how it ended. I'm heartbroken over feeling like I had to make a decision to the point where to have to stand up for myself. I don't feel like I should ever have been in that position. And, you know, there's a lot of people who just say, you know what, just stay quiet and shut up and get your money and do your job, your dream job. Um, And I think that that's what a lot of people have done and not just in TV and not just idiots and like all across the country, just shut up and get, and I had done that for many, many years. So this goes into your second question. Like that's why, that's why I'm not there because I had a decision to make that was very personal um, as far as how I want to be treated uh, as an employee, as a very, very loyal employee. And when there are different rules for different people, that's when I find it unacceptable. All I ever wanted was consistency. And if everyone else can speak their mind about many topics that have zero to do with sports, even on ESPN's platforms and on their social media, then I can do the same, um, especially when it's issues that are I'm asked about that are pertaining to me and my decisions in my life as a biracial woman with a, a, a vaccine mandate, et cetera. So um, I, I made a decision, and it was a decision I knew would change my life by deciding to stand up, especially because it was so public. And I worked for a massive, worked past tense, weird, for a massive company. Um, I don't regret a thing, Jake. I, I have a really strong faith, and I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, even though I don't know what tomorrow brings. I'm really at peace with it, even though I'm still trying to adjust to everyday life. It's only been, you know, what, nine days? days so give me a minute well the thing that i think that would be tough sage and i commend it you, you know it's it's interesting to me there's a quote from voltaire and i don't know if voltaire actually ever said this or if it's just attributed to him amongst many other people but the quote is i may not agree with the word you say but i'll defend to the death your right to say it and i think that there are people you and i i think um disingenuous to say we know each other well but we know each other i think in yeah. many areas we we think differently, but it doesn't impede the fact that we are friends with one another and that we respect the other's opinions, even if it's not the opinion that's best for us. And, and I think that's difficult for people. And did you find it frustrating that that was, at least from my observation, and you tell, tell me if I'm off base, but that was all you wanted was that understanding. Is that fair? Yes. And frankly, whether it's a corporation or a neighbor, a friend, an acquaintance, if you're pushing and preaching about diversity and equity and inclusion and tolerance and acceptance, to me, it begins and ends with diversity of thought, period. Like I have no more patience for people picking and choosing which kind of diversity they want to accept. And that's all I ever wanted. That's all that, you know, many companies preach. And, but then to not practice it or pick and choose when you practice it, um, I, I think it's, bad business and I think I don't think it's fair or right what I'm hoping comes from this and and that's the thing this is so much bigger than me it really is my hope and prayer is that others don't have to make these kind of decisions to choose between doing what's right for you morally um, financially in every way and you know your job, your career, your livelihood. And for me, that's what I had to choose. Most choose to just kind of stay quiet and be silent and take it. And I get it. I did that for years. 
here's the thing. I don't care about anyone's politics. And by the way, I've never once told anyone who I vote for publicly ever. I, I don't go on any platform really screaming about politics per se or candidates because I don't care what you think. I, I really don't. You meaning the world. And it shouldn't matter who I vote for as well. This is these are about issues that certainly are hot button issues. And I love how people assume they know your politics, so to speak, just by the opinions you have on one or two or three issues. But if I base my friendship and my relationships on people's opinions and political standings, I, I, I don't know. My, my friendships might look quite different. But the people that I choose to have in my life love me for me. I love them for them. And it has nothing to do with their opinions on hot button issues or politics or cultural issues. Like, stop. And to me, it's, it's all about accepting everybody in every way. It's amazing how we're so quick to say, yeah, you know, uh, all the other areas today with LGBTQIA plus and how you want to identify and, great and whatever you want to say about yourself and how you want to identify great, except here, you know, so the hypocrisy is thick. And I really hope that by standing up that others can feel empowered themselves too and not be scared. Do you know how many people have come up to me or written me people that I work with uh, a lot more men than women, to be honest with you, quite often who pull me aside and say, thank you. I wish I had the ability or the courage to do what you're doing. And, and, and some do and choose not to, and some don't have the ability to because of whatever reason, finances, their, their family, how, what they would think. It is always a choice, though. It took me a long time to make it, and it's just mine. Everybody else can do what they want and think what they want about me. And I'll end with this because I'm sorry I just rambled. You got me going, Jake. Like, at the end of the day, I, I think one of the best things that I've learned through this process, probably over the last five or six years, what freedom you gain when you let go of thinking, of caring about what everybody else thinks of you. It's easier said than done, especially when you're in an industry like ours. But I feel so much relief by finally letting go of trying to please everybody, the world, as a woman, a, a mother, and an employee. It's okay if you don't like me based on my opinions. That's fine. That's your loss. I'm kind of fun. But I've let go, and that's been that's provided a lot of peace for me. I think the thing, Sage, and listen, you are obviously, I don't even begin to imagine the stage on which you were performing you know, is is Broadway, and, and I'm performing at Footlight Theater here at 11th and Alabama or whatever it is, right? I, I get it. But there are some comparisons in the fact that, and I wanted to ask you about this, like, was it difficult to finally be open and transparent with yourself, which then allowed for people who would have considered you based on your position to be untouchable to then show them that you are in fact vulnerable and that you were willing to expose that vulnerability in order to, for the fin- for the first time, put up your own defense. Does that make sense what I'm asking? I understand. No, because you, you said it to kind of be quiet with myself and, and think about the risk that it is in, in being vulnerable. Well, in other words... I think that when we when you when you're doing what you're doing, you're Sage Steel of ESPN. You're traveling around. You're on national television. You go to airports. People know who you are, and the perception of the viewer is that you have this perfect life and this perfect job, and yeah. and so therefore you have to to an extent uh, 
you have to portray that character on yeah. television that you have this perfect life and this perfect job whereas in reality for the first time to show them who you are is actually to show them that you are in fact vulnerable and was that yeah. difficult to tear down that character this is going to sound silly but um Instagram has actually helped me with that unknowingly. It sounds so silly. Here's, let me explain. Um, I, I think I felt a long time ago this, this whole, you know, pressure to show happiness. And everybody, I think, who's on, on social media should be aware, right? It's like, okay, there's Instagram and then there's real life. So I actually have had a lot of fun with it over the last several years, especially with my kids and showing the reality. You know, I will blow my kids up. And I'm like, listen, I told you to clean your room and it's a disaster and you have 20 minutes or I'm going to come in and do an Instagram story on you because all their friends follow me and it works. So um, the room ends up being pretty clean. <laughs> but the, the point is, is that like, guess what? I might, you know, portray not perfection, certainly, but just this, um, this certain life on TV because number one, I loved my job, loved to the very last day I was on the air. And that's where I get choked up because I loved it and I regret nothing. Um, but I also, you know, it's like, okay, yes, I'm a smiling face. I'm talking to, you know, name any big athlete in the world and what a blessing that is. And I have makeup, great makeup and hair. Hair is never so great. And wardrobe. And, and, and then, yeah, the life is amazing. But I wanted people to see the other side. I wanted people, especially other mothers, to see that I deal with crap with my three kids too. I got divorced four years ago. That's been, oh my gosh, it's been brutal. What I've found, Jake, is the more vulnerable I have been, the more people have kind of flocked towards me in a, in a private way saying, thank you for sharing this. I know I'm not alone because people are afraid to show this imperfections. Like I have enjoyed it and it's almost been therapeutic for me to show that other side. There's work, we all have to clean it up at work, but then there's the other side. And I think if we just let go of that attempt to, to be perfect, it really takes off so much pressure at work, you know, maybe with my peers. I quit caring about what they think years ago because they kind of, many of them showed their true colors a long time ago. So that was really easier. Um, but I think what a blessing to let go of that, of that desire to be so perfect, which trust me as a little girl, as a young woman, and even probably till about five years ago, to be honest with you, I was so worried about what everyone thought and my bosses and Proving. Let me prove to them how dedicated I am. Let me prove this. And then it, it was never enough. But that's not on them. That's on me to adjust how I think about myself and how I choose to portray myself. And that has been the biggest gift is, is to let go and be your best whenever you can. Be honest. And others have really, you know, drawn towards me and said, thank you for sharing that about your personal life. And I, I, I think it's, I think everybody wins when we can just be ourselves. And I know it's so hard to get there, but I hope by sharing, I can help others get there too sooner, if that makes sense. You loved your job, Sage, but was did you finally reach a point where you felt it didn't love you back? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can we um, put that in bold lettering? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was one of the harder things to accept. It's like, wait, in general, you you're encouraging everybody to be true to themselves and be themselves and get out there and do that. But not me. So that was definitely a very difficult, big fat pill for me to swallow. And 
um, to accept that was tough. And then it's up to me. What am I going to do with it? So it doesn't mean that I was like, yes, let me find a way to get revenge. I don't know. It's not what this was. It would have been so much easier, so much easier to just stay quiet and safer. And um, my kid, for on my on everybody on my kids uh, financially, but and I know I think I might may have told you this before, and and some people might roll their eyes at it, but for me, it has led me in my life so many different ways, and it's from my dad, who was a football player at West Point. He broke the color barrier, first black man to ever play varsity football at West Point, all American, drafted in the NFL. Like he's my guy, and as kids, he made us memorize part of the cadet prayer and, and this is the portion and I hope it will explain why I, I chose to do this. Um, help me to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong and to never tell a half truth when the whole truth can be won. So this is definitely the harder right for me. I'm not saying it's wrong for others to stay silent. For me, it was the harder right. And guess what? I can finally tell the whole truth, not just half of it. So basically, in summary of all of that, Sage, in terms of for those that are unfamiliar, tell me if this is a fair statement if I was doing a book report, which I never really did well on my book reports, but um, the book of Sage Steele would be this, and that is that she had a job that she loved. She had a company that she worked for that gave her the opportunity to achieve a childhood dream, but ultimately she couldn't get past the fact that she felt like there were stipulations on things that she was able to say and it bothered her because she felt like that was limitation of the actual freedoms that that job should have been able to afford her to exercise it properly and accurately. I would tweak the end because it isn't about I should be able to say this and me, me, me. It's about being consistent with the rules and how we handle things with, with each front facing employee. And all I wanted was consistency. And if some people are allowed to get out there and talk about you, fill in the blank, all of the things (laughs) from what was happening in in Florida with the parental act uh, to um, Roe v. Wade being overturned and to be able to talk about that on our airwaves, personal opinions on our airwaves. But I can't talk about things privately on a podcast, Um, privately meaning things that affected me personally, not privately personally. Um, And then I'm, publicly forced to apologize and they put out statements and take me off the air so no all i wanted was consistency so the parameters of what you're allowed to say should not be determined based on what you're saying correct period pretty easy but i'm gonna tell you this i don't regret like i don't regret a thing jake and most importantly i loved loved my job and i loved so many of the people with whom i worked and I, I, I have no regrets. I got to live out the dream that most people in our industry don't get to. So please know how grateful I am for every moment, even the parts that broke me. I'm, I'm really grateful to ESPN and to Disney and to my teammates because that's what they were. They were teammates. Sage, you've mentioned in nearly every interview you've done when your family has come up how important family is to you. As you look at, at what's next for you before you jump into what's next career-wise, how much are you enjoying the opportunity in front of you to spend even more time with your family, particularly your girls? Well, um, my son is a lot easier than my girls. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Boys tend to be easier than daughters. This is what I've learned. Um, 
my older two left for college and they left last Tuesday, the day that I was um, flying back from my mediation in Los Angeles. So that hurt, you know, I mean, I said goodbye before we all knew what was coming, but it hurt to not be there at that moment. And you know what, there's been so many moments through the years that I've missed. And if I wasn't there, then their father was there. So they were fine and taken care of. But as a mother, and I'm pretty traditional, like I, it broke me to not be there for so many things. And guess what? It's different. Now they don't need me as much, but for this last year of my, of high school, for my youngest daughter, I said to her, I'm like, I'm going to be here. I'm not going to miss anything. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> you're going to stalk me and be around. I'm like, yep, you're welcome. You win. But guess what? I'm here when she needs me. And I get to choose that for the first time since I became a mother in May of 2002. Like, what a blessing that is. How about my, my parents who are older? They just moved to Florida. My dad has two kinds of cancer. Not one. He had to beat his brother and get a second one. They had a competition, apparently. And... I get to be there for my mom and dad when they need it. And right now they kind of need me. If I need to get on a plane, I don't have to ask for a day off and and for someone else to cover for me. I don't have to bargain for a comp day and beg and say, I'll pay you back. I can get on a plane and be there for my parents as as they've been here for me, especially throughout the last two years. They have literally lifted me off the ground at times, Um, literally. So that's the biggest blessing, right, is – to be able to be there for them. Um, and it's something that I, it makes me emotional because I've never been able to. And um, I, I'm really, I'm really blessed. Sage, I think one of the things, Sage Steele's our guest, by the way, here on Query and Company on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. One of the things that has become very surreal for me is, you know, we, we are the same age. And while again, as I mentioned, I mean, it's disingenuous to say that we were like really good friends, but we knew each other at younger points in our life. You lived, we lived near one another in college, and then you were at eight when I was at six. And that doesn't seem long ago to me at all. And you're talking about like your kids going off and, and chasing their dream and being in college and getting ready to start that journey. And it's really weird for me, Sage, because more often than not, I feel like I'm still there and that my parents are in their 50s. And I have to remind myself that, in fact, my parents are not, and I'm the one in my 50s. And that nonstop circle in terms of life itself really is hard sometimes to grasp. And as a result of that, it is a challenge to realize sometimes that now the adulthood is ours. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So, so I, I think it's healthy that the perspective, not to, not to say you didn't have it, but don't you kind of take it as like this blessing that that perspective now has been bestowed upon you? I mean, I've I've always been very aware of time ticking, you know, uh, even when my kids were little and, and I sometimes have to remind myself that I was doing a crazy full-time, very full-time, very front-facing, high-pressure job um, the entire time since I became a mom. That's all they've known. But I, when my third kid was born, my first was still three. Like, it was nuts. And... I, I don't remember much, sadly, because that was just survival mode. But even then, when I was so tired and really scared and didn't know what my future was, and you're just trying to stay on and do well enough to get another contract, you know, I, I remember being like, oh, my gosh, we have to enjoy these moments while we can. And just like that, the kids are gone. 
you know, and we're talking career stuff and first job for my oldest daughter. Like, where the hell did the time go? And that devastates me in many ways, you know. Um, But it's also, I also think we were all reminded during COVID how precious life is, certainly how precious time is. And that's why I I, I refuse to stay still. Even during COVID, my butt was on a plane every other week going down to to Florida and be with my parents or wherever. Because I was like, no, 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 we, we can't lose this time. We don't know if we get it back. So we got to live. And it's certainly cliche, but I know that me now more than ever, I'm like, let's go. And I'm trying to experience things. And now I, I, I'm looking forward to figuring out what's next. Um, and I hope to have some answers soon because I'm, I'm enjoying that, that process for sure. Um, but I, I, I know that I, I will never really allow a job to dictate so much in the future because I don't want to regret missing out on time with the the people that I love. Now, you went down to University of Alabama, spoke to their football program uh, earlier this week, I think it was, or maybe at the end of last week. Um, Yeah, it was this Monday. Is is that something that you have done frequently? My apologies for not knowing that. And then secondly, what was your message to them? Um, I I have done just speaking gigs like that in general for a long time. Um, I've loved it. I used to come back to IU a lot. Um, you know, when they would ask, and I loved that. Uh, I think it's so important to pass that on because when I was in college, uh, we, <laughs> I, you know, it was different. And my major at IU, sports communication, broadcast emphasis, very specific. It was a brand new major at the time. And it was in, the, in that hyper school, the health, physical, education, recreation. Now it's part of sports media school, journalism school. It's, it's certainly changed, but it was a very young major, I think it was in its first or second year, and, they, and there were no people to come in and speak and, and talk specifically about the career field that these kids are choosing to go into and um, answer questions. And so I, I never had that. So I feel like it's my duty, one that I love, to speak when asked to these kids because it's just part and, and you know what? As you may expect, I'm really honest, too. It's like, oh, this is, this is awesome, and this is certainly fun and memorable and glamorous and then here let me tell you about this truth as well because if we don't share that no matter what field our kids are going into then that's just that's not right let's help them prepare better than i was prepared um i do for alabama by the way that was planned probably three or four months ago um and let me tell you there's been a lot of people who canceled on me i've lost a lot of opportunities and a lot of money uh with standing up for myself um and it meant a lot that Coach Saban and crew there said, no, no, we, we want, we're open to all messages, not just one. Not do you just call your speaker series, do you call it sage advice? Because that's what I think it should be called, sage advice. Is <laughs> that it's, what it's called? That's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I know, so but it's cheesy, Jake. I, I mean, but, but that has to be what it's called, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. I don't have the title for the speaker series because it's so different every time, especially when you're speaking to a, the room with 100 and 30 young men and coaches. You know, okay, when you come on stage, woman in there? when you come on stage, do they have to unveil the steel curtain? You see, that's that's better than sage advice, done? isn't it? No, because they don't. you don't spell it the same way. It's, I have oh, an E on the end. you got to work with me. Come on. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm quitting on you here. My message for them, it, well, it, it adjusted. It changed versus what it, it was going to be based on, you know, what happened, had, what had happened six days prior um, and I really struggled to come up with, with the right message. And, you know, you're asked to come to these things to share your personal experiences 
but then how does it relate to them? You know, so for me, it was on Monday with Alabama, it was what, what's your why? You know, okay, why are you a football player? Why, why did you choose that? What is it about it that made it so special? Um, and then as you go forward in life, um, you're going to have a lot of other challenges along the way. And how do you choose to handle them and why? And, and okay, and that, that relates obviously to what I just went through. Why did I choose that this was the time to stand up? Um, so it, it made sense <laughs> in the moment, I promise. But it was it was really cool to to me. I love speaking. I love that in person, just because you can see eyeballs, you can see reaction, you can see smiles, or you can see people falling asleep. You can see whatever it is. Um, but I, that that adrenaline is really I, I love that, and it's just like being on on national TV, except maybe harder. Because you can see reactions, you know. Um, sometimes on TV, actually from day one, I always, I would get so nervous. Always so nervous. Not as much, you know, the last probably five or ten years. Uh, but certainly a lot of adrenaline. And when that nervousness would come, especially I remember when I'm hosting NBA Countdown on ABC live leading into Game 7 of the NBA Finals in Golden State or in Cleveland or something. You talk about adrenaline and, oh, my gosh, there's potentially 30 million people watching I had to mentally change and pretend like I was that little girl on the couch just talking sports with my dad again. And so in the camera, I would picture my dad's face, not the reality. I mean, he was watching, but um, so were a couple million other people. And that's what kept me somewhat calm. It's harder when you have eyeballs. And I, and, but I love that challenge because it's so much easier it looks so much easier than it really is. And that's, that's something I'm going to try to continue to, to, to work on. And I've always, even when I was working in Indy from 97, 98, I would come do that Tuesday cult luncheon and they'd bring their sponsors in and did it for free for a couple of seasons. And I'm so grateful for that because it taught me the importance and the difference between being on camera and being in person. So I, I want to keep speaking if, if anybody will listen, because it's not about my opinions about issues. It's about being true to yourself, you know, um, and not being afraid to, to be you in a world that picks and chooses right now. Lastly, Sage, I think personally, like for me, I, I've mentioned this before because I think I'm, a, I'm like you in that fact that like when I was a kid, this is what I wanted to do, right? And so I think for me at times when I've become complacent, I, I'm able to reawaken that drive and remind myself of – you know, that, that vision that I had and that competitiveness I had to get to be able to do what we do for a living. But also with that came always this little insecurity and this fear that I wasn't good enough or somebody else was better or I was going to be rejected. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that either. Um, and it still exists in me a little bit. Is that now awaken you? Are, are, are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. Oh gosh, I'm not afraid. I am. Um, I think the difference between being fearful about something or being anxious. Um, I'm anxious to get going again because this is what I do. It's all I've ever done, you know. Um, but I'm not afraid. And some people, even some people in my small circle, are like, "Oh my God, we got it!" Yeah, I'm like, "No, I don't have to hurry." I mean, I'm not sitting around. I'm not headed to the beach or anything. Like, uh, I'm, I'm just, Jake, I'm not, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. That's the thing. Once you 
really, we can say we believe in ourselves, but then there are certain things that are going to really check you on that. And I have so much room to grow as a human being and as a mother, much less a broadcaster, that there's, there's priorities here. And I just think there's bigger things. I'm not fearful, but I'm freaking ready because, um, you know, Sports Center was such a huge challenge every day. I, I want to, my show that was noon to two Eastern, everybody knew it was kind of the hardest show in the building to do because there was always some sort of news and breaking news. And we had the best director and the best producers. And what we did just in the 25 minute first block of the show, walking across the studio, walking and talking, doing highlights, live interviews, like it's insane. And I'm so proud because I know that we are at the top of the industry as far as being able to execute that kind of stuff every damn day. Um, that's something that, that I'll always, always be proud of. Um, but that's why I would have the adrenaline rush and a little bit of nervousness every day because it was hard. And I never, even throughout this whole process with a pending lawsuit while I'm still on national TV for that company, it made me better. It made me more in tune and extra picky about every word I was saying. And I would get done with the two-hour live show, and it was, you know, we had great, 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 great. And then I was like, oh, I really flubbed that question to Adam Schefter or whatever. So if anything, I, this challenge, being so uncomfortable, but still having to go to work for that company and wanting to go to work, it made me better. So now I'm like, bring it. Especially, again, once you don't care what others think to the extent that it would affect you, you know. I'm so excited for what's next. And um, I, I think I've never been ready to go bring it and try to make it great and bring people up with me. Because that's the thing. I want to bring along other people, other young women and men who feel fearful because of all these legitimate reasons. And I hope that my crap can help others feel like, Let's not. You don't have to be scared, but you got to believe in yourself and let go of all the other stuff. And you'll, if you don't try, you'll always regret it. And you think the next step begins when? I don't know. I mean, soon, soon. Um, I'm having a lot of fun conversations, and soon. But I, I, it needs to be absolutely the right thing, and most importantly, with the right people. I need the right people in my life, <laughs> and that way. Um, and I'm, I'm excited because I do have a lot of great content. Listen, 28 years in this business, God, we're aging ourselves. Um, I have, I've met some incredible people. And the people I've heard from over the past week, it's just, it's a reminder. Because I will tell you, I've felt very alone at times, very, very alone through this process. Um, but you do find out who your real, real friends are, so to speak, when you go through something like this. Well, Sage, if you make it down to Bloomington for your Sage advice, sorry, I I, I, I actually thought it was just too easy. Um, but if you go down to talk to IU anytime soon, swing by the apartment complex where we live because I think they're raising it like next week and probably should have like five years ago. Are they? Jackson Heights? I, I mean, let me tell you, so I don't know if they're raising it, but I, last time I went by there, I'm like, wait, we they lived here? Should. I mean, it was it was I near Buffalo, so too. that was cool, but that, that was about and, the extent of it, right? And Pat, and, and Pat Knight was right next door. I mean, we had quite Oh, a- it was great. Quite a it's great. I mean, we played ice hockey with Pat Knight's frozen fish after it passed away. I mean, it, it, we did a lot of things that probably were not necessarily couth. But hey, you know what? I was... didn't get the invite to that one. I wish that you had invited me. But by the way, that was 
the listeners and everybody back there in the control room, that was when Jake was too cool to talk to me. That so now so I'm glad that we've, that we've gotten to this <laughs> I, point in our Sage, I opened it up by saying you had me confused with somebody else, and I've never been more convinced of it, right? <laughs> never been more convinced. You're the best. Hey, you're I appreciate the, the time. We look forward to anytime you want to come on, you're always welcome. We certainly wish you the best. I appreciate the transparency. Listen, next time I'm there, I don't know when it'll be. I'll come in studio, and then we can arm wrestle, and I'll embarrass you in front of all your guys. All right. All right. Sounds good. We appreciate it. Bye. Uh, Thank you, guys. See you. Sage Steele.